much you guys have all grown. Just being here in two months span, you guys have grown so much, and I'm so happy for all of you guys. But just to um, give a little bit of my testimony, if you didn't know, and like if you know me, and I, when I first, it was probably when I was 15, 16, I, I mean, I'm only 17 now, but still, but I, I vowed I didn't want CLC in my life at all. I didn't, I mean, I knew Brooklyn went there, and my parents really wanted me to go there, but for me, I, I did not want to go there. I thought it was basic. I just, I didn't want to go there. I felt like everyone went there, and I was like, man, I don't want to go there. I'll just, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go to Urshan, and I was like, I was like I'm going to go to Urshan, and, um, but as time went on, um, and I was getting more, as the older I got, the more rebellious I got, which we can find the case to be in a lot of our lives. And, um, you know, so I'm just growing up, trying to do my own thing. And my mom, thanks to her, she starts pushing for me really hard to go to CLC because she doesn't, she doesn't wanna, want me to leave. She doesn't want me to go all the way to Urshan in St. Louis. I, I mean, that's crazy. That's it's a whole plane trip away, and we wouldn't be able to see each other as much, but um, my mind was set. I wanted to go to Urshan, and it, was for all, it wasn't for any of the right reasons. I just wanted to go for, you know, for me, and, and I, didn't, I just wanted to go get away, get away from my family, get away from everybody. The only people I was really going to miss was my friends, but I just wanted to get away. I didn't want to be, I wanted to be anywhere but here, and that was anywhere but the will of God, and I knew that, but I just, you know, I was wanting to do me, and I didn't care about what anyone else thought or was thinking, and so I just, you know, I wanted to do me, but, and my mom, she started pushing so hard for me to go to CLC that it forced me to not want to do Bible college at all, and that's, I knew it, I knew it was getting bad, but I didn't care, I didn't, I didn't let what I thought other people thought about me affect what I was doing. So, you know, I'm not going to go to Bible college at all. I'm going to graduate early. I'm going to go to a secular college. And then when I turn 18, I'm going to move out. And, you know, I probably won't even, I probably won't even go to church. I was like, like, I'll probably go every now and then. But, you know, it wasn't a big motivation to me anymore. And, you know, as time went on and I was into a lot of things that I shouldn't have been in. And it was, I fell into I fell into a deep depression, and it was it was really impactful in my life. And anytime it's been creeping up, like recently, but you know I'm at the right place, so it's it's a lot easier to get over it than it than it was. But I was in a deep depression, and and I know a lot of us can feel that way. But you know you're like, how are you in a depression? You have all these people that love you around you. You have your parents are pastors for goodness sakes but I was it's I felt alone I knew I had people to like I had people around me I knew that I had a God that loved me but you know I just I didn't feel it there was there was no feeling there and when I was at church I didn't feel nothing there's a lot of people here today that we come to church and we just don't feel nothing we're here and we can and Brooklyn was talking about it and we can speak in tongues but sometimes we're not really speaking in tongues we're just going through the motions and that that's that was the case for me and I was just I was just here I was just living church until you know until I turned 18 and I was out of here 
And that deep depression, it, it, fall, it turned me to do a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing. And I know they weren't right, but it's, it was my choice. It was my life. I wanted to do whatever I wanted. And there was a lot of things that I went to on my phone that I shouldn't have been going on. And there was a lot of things I, shouldn't, I was listening to that I shouldn't have been listening to that you don't really think the th- things that we listen to really affect, you know, what we're, like, our lives. They don't affect us. But they honestly, they really do because the words that we're putting in, we don't think that those those lyrics or songs are really going to affect, you know, who we are or, like, how we affect to do things because someone had checked me on it whenever I was, and it made me mad when they checked me on it. So they were like, Tristan, like, why are you listening to this music? Like, like this isn't good. Why are you listening to this? Like, you're planning on, like, trying to be a minister when you grow up. And I was like, man, I ain't being no minister. And I didn't, I didn't want to be none of that. And I didn't, I didn't want to be involved in church. I didn't want to be involved in ministry. And I just wanted to do my will, not God's will. And like, why are you listening to this? And I was like, man, I can listen to whatever I want to. And I was like, I'm not going to let it affect me. And I was like, but little did I know that that was probably the biggest impact it had on my life. And it really affected the things that I did and the way that I thought about things. It, it really it changed my perspective on so many things in such a negative way. And there's a lot of people here in the church that we listen to the like wrong things, even though it's not doesn't cuss or it doesn't talk about bad things if it's not talking about God we really shouldn't be listening to it and so we we honestly we really need to start intaking a lot more of the bread and the word and more spiritual things than start putting that that nastiness into our our minds and even if it's not talking about bad things like it's it's still it's not glorifying God that's not our main focus that we need to focus on and I let that affect me so much, and I was so tore up by that stuff, and I was, while I was into that depression, just everything wrong that could happen happened, and, you know, it made me feel even worse, and then with my, um, with my uncle passing away from probably the same thing, probably from depression, because he did, um, if you guys don't know my uncle, he did commit suicide this past year in January, and that was around the time that I'm going through all this stuff, and it didn't help. <laughs> it definitely did not help. It it made me feel like, it's like, man, he's going through it. It's like, I'm going through it too, and it's crazy. Like, like he was just, he was just here. Like, I, like, we could have talked to him. We could have, we could have loved, or we could have been interceding for him, but, you know, I wasn't, and I put a lot of that blame on me, even though I didn't really talk to my, I didn't really talk to him that much. It's, I just put so much blame and everything on me, and I had such a hatred in my heart for anything here in church, and I had such a hatred for myself for not doing enough, and I felt like I was nothing. I felt like I wasn't doing anything, and I just felt like life was pointless. Like I felt like I had no calling. I had felt like I had no ministry, and I felt like there was really no point of me being here, and around that time, my my dad, he's and my mom's still pushing for me to go to CLC, and I was like, whatever. And, um, and my dad, he's just like, he's like, you know what? He's like, you can make, you can do whatever you want to do. You can go to Urshan. You cannot, you, can, you don't even have to go to Bible college. He's just like, go to the experience at CLC. And he's like, just go there for a week, 
fast and pray for at least a day before you go. And he's like, he's like, and just let God do whatever he needs to do, and you can make your mind up after that. And I was like, whatever. I was like, I'll, I'll do that. That's, that's light. And then, because I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go, and it's like, it's not going to affect anything I do. I was like, I'm just going to go, and then I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to be done. No more church, no more nothing. And I was like, that's it. So I go to the experience where, you know, it's pretty, it's, we're having pretty fun. We, we played basketball the first night. I like to play basketball, but, you know, it was fun. It was fun. But I was like, that's, that's all I'm really here for is just to have fun. I'm not here for any of the right reasons. I'm, I'm just here so I can get here and get out. So, you know, anyway, that time passes, and they do these um, things called, they were, like, introducing the, the types of, like, clubs they had. Well, associations. They were introducing all the associations. And, and as they were introducing all the associations, you go, so it was... They had, what were, there was drama, the missions team, the music team, and Minicero. And, you know, those, the, all the other ones were cool, but it was, it was actually the, the drama team one that affected my life. They did these cardboard ministries, and it really, it pulled me, because there was, there was so many things that they were going through, and it was like, I thought, I was like, they go to Bible college, how can they go through these things, and how... How is it possible that a Bible college student that's going to church every day and that's praying basically every day and reading their Bible can or have gone through any of these things? And there was, I forgot who it was, but they went up there and on their cardboard ministry, um, they had wrote down depression. And right whenever I saw that, it just broke me. It just tore my life up right when I saw that sign because I knew that there was someone else with me that struggled with the same thing that I struggled with and I didn't feel alone I felt I felt at home I felt at home in a place that I've never felt in a long time and I felt just I felt like God was just loving me and I knew he was there for me and whenever they did all the cardboard ministries they had us pray for everyone that needed it and I stood up because I knew I needed it and as they're praying, and then I lift up my hands. Right when I lifted up my hands, I just felt God's warmth come around me. I felt to him like it was just a giant hug. It was just a, like when a big guy's just hugging you. It just it felt so warm, and I just I felt so good. I felt in a way that I've never felt before, and I knew that that place was my home. I knew that I had to give up whatever I was doing. I knew that I just had to start giving it all to God because none of this world is really worth it. None of, none of these things of this world, none of these cares that we care about are really not worth it because we just, we just need to stop worrying about what this world thinks and start worrying about what God thinks. We need to start putting all our cares and our needs. We just need to lay them down at the altar. And if you guys can just lift your hands because I feel like God's going to do a work in some of you guys tonight. I believe that he's going to do a great work. If you just lift your hands, and I don't know, a lot of people aren't going to receive this message because it's not for them, but there's some people in this place that this word is for them, and I feel like God's going to wrap you, and He's gonna, you're going to feel his warmth right now. If you just pray and pray in the Holy Ghost, God will touch you right now. Oh, 
Oh, that's it. Just let God work in your life tonight. Oh, just cast all your cares and needs upon God because there's nothing too great for Him. Oh, just let Him take over your life right now. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Just worship his name for a little bit. That's it. I know this is a Friday night service. We're not even supposed to be here, but just worship God right now. Let him take over and work in your life right now. Oh, God. Praise the Lord, everyone. Um, I'm grateful for um, the opportunity to be up here. I've always told um, hasn't Sister Grogan. <laughs> I've always told Brooklyn that I love this church. You can just feel love here. You just feel love here. And to me, that is what a church is about, is love and is relationship. And I just know that that's something that is just here. And so that was like the first thing that I fell in love with. Then I fell in love with the building. I was like, this building's so beautiful. But yeah, so thank you for um, the opportunity to be here. Um, so I'm just going to start with um, two sections of the Bible. And the first one's 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse, verses 4 through 10. And that reads... That the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. Sorry. <laughs> Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not, know, did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if... Oh, sorry. Yeah, Go lie down, it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. So then the Lord um, talks to Samuel and gives him a call. And um, so something that really stood out to me, um, in these verses is, is that he didn't, you know how they say like, oh, the third time's a charm. So um, Samuel went over the third time. It was the fourth time. So to me that stood out because sometimes we feel like, you know, we miss it, you know, it's just, it's too, been too many times, you know, I've missed it. It's, you know, it's done. But this shows that like, even if it's, it seems like it's too many times, you did not miss it. Um, 
Another thing is that he questioned the voice. He did not think it was from God. He didn't know, and so he thought it was Eli, and it wasn't. Um, and then another thing that stood out to me was that um, the fourth time it said that God came and stood and called him. He said, Samuel, Samuel, and then Samuel answered. So another part of script, um, scripture that I want to go to is Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Um, and it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to destroy to root out and pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So here we also see that Jeremiah also doubted what God said. He said, I'm too young, I'm unexperienced, I, I can't, I, I, I don't believe what you have to tell me, I don't, I don't believe that I can do this for you, what you've asked of me. And God just, he says, don't doubt because I am with you. I, I, am, I am your strength, I am what it is. Like it's not, um, it's not going to just come from you. It's, it's going to come from me. I give you that authority. And he said, I set you over nations, over kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So, of course, we can't, we can't make it ourselves. We can't do what we need to do ourselves. It's just not, it wasn't built in us because we have this need for God. We need God. We can't do anything without God because he is our strength. He is our joy. He is our peace. And without God, you know, you don't have any of that because we're just flesh. We don't have the strength to conquer over those things. We, we need to know that God is that strength and that peace and that joy and that's why God is is calling you closer and he's calling you to a deeper place with him because he knows that he is your strength and he knows that you aren't going to make it without him he knows that if you are not close to him he may lose you he knows that if you are not close to him that you're not going to make it out there and he doesn't want to lose you he doesn't want you to fall he doesn't want you to hurt he doesn't want you to go through painful things or situations or wherever you know you may be tempted to go to he doesn't want you to go to those places because he knows the end result of that and so that's why he's calling you to a deeper place he's calling you to the altar he's calling you to those those whatever it is whatever he's calling you to do I don't know what it is everyone has different things that God puts in you. Sometimes it may seem weird. Sometimes it's just like, no, that's too much. That's too big. That's too small. That's no, no, no. Everything is perfect. Everything that he's called you to do is perfect. And ultimately what that is, is how God is trying to protect you and how God is trying to keep you with him and his safe arms. 
And um, so honestly, when, when I was thinking about, you know, what, um, what to speak on, all I felt was just a call. And not only just a call, but a cry. God crying for someone in here. God saying, please, please hear me. I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to call to you. Answer me. Answer me. I'm here. I'm calling you. I need you to get to a deeper place because if not, I'm going to lose you. If not, you're going to go to a place that I never destined for you, that I never had in your plan, that I never purposed for you. So answer, please. I'm calling to you. He's saying, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, I'm calling or whatever. He's just trying to reach out to you. He's trying to reach out to you. And all he needs you to say is, here I am, God. Here I am. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't, I don't have any experience. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this feeling is. I don't know how to say no. I don't know how to do this. But God's just saying, just answer me. Answer my call. Give it to me. And I will give you your strength. I will give you the right words. I will tell you what you need to say. I will give you the strength to say no. I will give you the strength to put your foot down. I will give you the strength to pray. I will wake you up in the mornings. I will wake you up during the day. I will wake you up so you can get up and pray. That's what God is doing. He's just calling. He's just calling and he just needs an answer. He doesn't need you to do some grand thing or do something crazy. All he needs is an answer and that's all he's calling for right now. I don't know why he's telling me to say that or I don't know why he's impressed that in my spirit, but I just know that there are some calls out there that God has been just calling and reaching and screaming and yelling and just needing you to wake up and listen and just answer him. So right now I just pray if that's you or if it's not you, I just want you to lift your hand right now. And I want you to say, here I am, God. Here I am, God. I don't know what to do, God, but I need you. That's all I know is that I need you. I can't make my own decisions, God. I fail and I can't do it. I need you, God. I need you. Lord, be with us. Walk with me. Walk with me, God. Amen. Just a few more moments. Just lift your hands and continue to worship the Lord. Amen. Come on, let's lift our let's lift our voices. That's it. Come on, raise your voice. Shanda Robo. I feel to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost right now, you are not insignificant. Do not call yourself insignificant. The God that is inside of you, the God David was insignificant, but the God he served was all that he needed. David was just a youth inexperienced in war, but the God that was inside of him gave him the valor to knock down a giant. So I come to tell you, I don't care what you come from. I don't care what you don't have. I'm telling you, if you got Jesus in your life, there is nothing that you can't do. Come on, raise your hands right now.
if somebody has faith right now, I declare to you, you are powerful. I declare to you, you are anointed. The only thing that can stop you from being used is yourself. All God asks you to do is believe. Gideon didn't believe in himself. Nevertheless, God called up a mighty man of valor. You know why? Because God saw something in Gideon that Gideon refused to see in himself. And I'm telling you, maybe you've been considering, I don't know what you've been considering. Maybe somebody in this room, you've been considering Bible college. Or maybe you've been considering opening up a Bible study or doing something. I'm telling you, if you just put yourself in the hands of God, God will work it out for you. You don't need to understand it. All you have to do is believe that God is. That God is able. That God is a rewarder for them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship the Lord a little longer. Come on. Come on, raise your voice. Raise your voice for me. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's stir the waters today. Let's stir the waters today. Hallelujah. Oh, I magnify you, Lord, today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you clap your hands unto God? Clap your hands. Clap your hands. Clap your hands. Hallelujah. Amen. It is exciting. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Grogan, for the opportunity. Amen. Thank you to, to Brooklyn. Or thank you to this traffic accident. Amen. That kind of steered us here. But God knows. God knows. Amen. God knows everything that happens. Amen. You know, you guys were thrilled to hear me, I guess, right? I'm teasing, but uh, thank you for the opportunity. It's, it's, it's a humbling experience anywhere and anytime we get to share the word of God. Amen. Sometimes, you know, as a young preacher, I don't, I don't really understand the call of God, but I just, I know, I know that I was called of God, and, and that's all I take. Like I said, we, we believe we're insignificant, but it's God who sees greater things in us. Isn't that amazing? It's always God. God has always, God told Moses, you're going to go free my people from Israel, from Egypt. And Moses is like, how am I supposed to do that? God's like, don't worry about it. He's like, go. You got a stick? Take the stick. He's like, what can the stick do? He's like, well, put it on the ground. Oh, my God. That thing turned into a snake. He's like, what else can you do? He's like, well, put your hand in, put your, hand in your coat. He's like, oh, my gosh. Well, no. He's like, well, that's what I can do. He's like, well, what else can you do? He's like, just go to Egypt. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, but you know Moses, you know what he said at the end? At the end, he told God, God, it's a real good offer. I'm about to be the most famous person in history. But I'm not. I'm, I'm cool. I got to go take care of my sheep, you know. Got to go make myself some sweaters. And God's like, I'm trying to make you a deliverer of a nation. Can you believe that? And that's what God wants to do with you. You know, God's like, look, I got the whole world for you. And you're like, but I'm, I got this little stuff going on here. Like, you know, I'm cool. You know, I'm just going to be insignificant the rest of my life. But God's like, I want you to be significant. But do you, but am, I, am I lying? A lot of times we choose to be insignificant. 
We say, I hate when people say, well, you're anointed. Excuse me? If you got the Holy Ghost, you're anointed. It's the same Holy Ghost. You spoke the same tongues. It's the same baptism. We got baptized in the same name. We worship the same God. That means, therefore, we have the same power. We have the same authority. No one, no one is greater than somebody else in the kingdom. We're all great in the kingdom. But it's always up to us to believe whether we are. That's the question. You know, back home, a lot of people tell me, and I'll start here. They'll say, you know, it's because you do this and you do that. Somebody told me one time, it's because you pray. I'm like, aren't you supposed to pray? <laughs> I mean, we ain't in the 13th century here. I mean, we're just waiting for the monks and the priests to pray. I mean, we wait. I expect the church to pray. I mean, I mean, the power of God comes through prayer. People say, well, God never speaks to me. Well, do you ever pray? Well, no. I mean, <laughs> well, go figure, right? How you, wanna, you want God to speak to you? Well, talk to him. You talk to God, eventually he's going to talk back. Amen. Especially because we don't talk to sticks. We don't talk to pieces of silver. We talk to the one. Isn't that amazing? Look, the one true invisible God. That's the, isn't that amazing? Even just saying that, like, it's crazy. You know, you don't have to be, like, sometimes we look at people high up there and we're like, oh, they're, they're so amazing. But you don't realize that you serve the one true God. You know the most famous person you should ever know, and his name is Jesus. That's the good. Is anybody excited to know Jesus today? I'm telling you, the world can say whatever they want about us, but I know Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to speak real quick. i got like two minutes, I think. Amen. And I'm done. Right? Musicians, please. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Genesis chapter 12. I mean, if you have your Bibles, your holy Bibles or your holy iPhones, pull them out. I know nobody has Androids anymore. Okay, if you do, I'm so sorry. If you do, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you. <laughs> Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Amen. Hallelujah. Does everybody have it? Amen. The Bible says, uh, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and the land, to unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Mm. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth. Because somebody look to your neighbor and say, that's talking about me. Shall be blessed. Or will be blessed. I mean, I'm just going to speak a couple, just a couple moments about faith. Faith. Everybody say faith. I think faith is, faith is one of the most contended things on the face of this earth today. Faith. Faith in a higher being. As a matter of fact, that's one of the most contended with humanism and atheism, agnostics. I think the greatest challenge 
for us as Christians is faith. When Paul died, before, as he was writing to Timothy, matter of fact, we go there. Second Timothy. Amen. Second Timothy. I just want to read that real fast. I believe it's going to be the last chapter. Uh, verse 7. Verse 6 and 7. I hope to think. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. All right, so... 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7. Now remember, Paul is getting ready to die. He's getting ready to get executed. And he's writing to his son in the gospel. He, first, the first epistle, he's writing, he's writing church order. He's writing how people should behave in the church. So, he goes through these things. You want to be a pastor or a deacon. He goes through the guidelines of, of what you're supposed to look like. Right? He tells... The belief of what we, what we believe. We believe in one God. We believe that God, that Christ was God incarnate in 1 Timothy 3.16. He goes to the whole order. So he's getting Timothy ready because he's getting ready to leave the earth. In 2 Timothy 4, these are his farewells. And he says, for I am ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And look what he says at the end. I have kept, kept the faith. The last thing he said, he didn't say I kept the doctrine. It's obvious things. He didn't say I kept going to church every Sunday. And every time they had church, I bless you guys for coming. Thank you guys for coming. Amen. I know it's a burden to want to hear a bunch of crazy college students, but, you know, the Lord's going to bless your soul. But he said, I have kept the faith. It's faith that activates the kingdom of God in you, in me, in us. It's interesting is that I kept the faith, meaning we could suppose that there were times where he doubted God. Could you imagine? I mean, we, we go through trials, right? We broke our phone. Pastor, please pray for me. I've been struggling. My, I haven't had my phone for a week. I haven't checked my Instagram. I, mean, I bet you I have like 10 new followers. And God, was, can we start a phone donation drive? I mean, right? <laughs> Modern teenagers. Yeah. Oh, God, I want those new Yeezys. And, oh, God, you don't understand. You know, Mama bought me some Skechers. And brother ain't trying to go to school like that. <laughs> Modern struggles of a teenager. I mean, I don't know what else they do. You know, Fortnite, I guess. I don't know. But he went through getting beat. Shipwreck? I mean, he went through so many things. And there may have been a time where he said, man, what in the world's going on? But there was something inside of him that drove him. 
to say, yes, it's hard. I'm in prison. I'm in bonds for doing good. He, he was smart. He could have done many things with his life, but Paul chose to suffer with Christ. Why? You know what drove his faith? You know what I think he always referred back to when you read the book of Acts? He always gives his testimony. He always said, I was on the road to Damascus. Woo! How many went on? I was, no, I was on my road to Damascus. But what happened? There's a light that came from heaven, knocked him off his horse, blinded him. When he said, Lord, he knew God, that he knew it was God. He said, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. That drove, that was the faith. It was from that moment that he was determined to know this, whatever I'm about to believe. I'm about to go to Ananias' house. He's about to baptize me. He's about to give me some church doctrine. I don't know what this is, but I know what I have believed. Whatever this is, is greater than whatever I have been doing, uh, what I was doing before in my life. So I believe it was from that point of faith that always drove Paul. So he's at his death. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. I'm in prison. I'm about to die. But I kept this faith. There's people now, they don't lose faith for anything. They lose their shoe, they lost faith. Talk to a sister, she lost her nail clipper, she was tripping out. <laughs> I mean, modern day, anything. God hasn't answered me for a week, I don't have faith anymore. But you know what? Sometimes we have to suffer with Christ. Sometimes we have to say, God, it doesn't make sense. You know what? Sometimes you're going you're gonna to be like, you know what? I'm ready to be a Christian. And you're going to go to school. And they're going to make fun of you. Maybe they're already making fun of you. Maybe you've already compromised because they make fun of you. But I'm telling you, sometimes, even though it doesn't make sense, we have to have faith in God and that he is able I'm telling you right now, how many of you guys are, are in a secular college right now? Raise your hand. No, nobody in a secular college or at least high school. Anybody high school? I mean, I wish y'all would go back to school with such faith. I'm telling you, I wish I could go back to high school. I got saved at 18. Don't judge me. I got, I got, I got, I graduated at 19. I was a super duper senior because of my lifestyle that I lived. But when I went back to school, I preached to anybody who had ears. I didn't care. I wish somebody, but you know what? I used to be, I used to be the guy that, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? What's going on? What's going on? To telling people, hey, I'm a Christian now. They're like, oh, well, nice to know you. It sucked. You know what? That's where your real friends are at. One guy told me, he's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I'm a Christian. I have my Bible. I was like, yeah, man. Like, God changed my life. It's amazing. Like, you knew me from the streets. And, and, and he's like, <laughs> I'm like, 
he's like, wait, you serious? I was like, yeah, bro, what's up? He's like, what happened to you? Oh, what the, what the, what you mean, what happened to me, man? You see me over here all stumbling in a class, not even showing up to get all doped out, looking like, looking like a coyote walking down the street. And all of a sudden, you ask me what happened to me? Instead of saying, man, bless God, thank you, Jesus, that you changed this young man. But you know what kept me on fire? It was faith. Is every time the devil said, you ought to be ashamed. I said, you know what? I wasn't ashamed when I was a little hoodlum on the block. You know what? I ain't going to be ashamed ashamed of preaching the gospel because I was lost and now I'm found and it doesn't always make sense it doesn't have to make sense especially in this world today man matter of fact all this technology and science have made people retarded they're like you believe in God I was like bro you believe in monkeys and I'm, I'm irrelevant. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying. I tell people, when you start judging me, what I believe, I believe I came from one God. And I look like everybody else who I was created. Like, you believe you came, in, you came from nothing. And from nothing, something came. And pa-pam. Everything else just magically showed up. And faith is attacked like never before. But I'm telling you right now, if you have been losing faith, it's time to reaffirm your faith in the word of God. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to Abram. God, could you, I don't even know if he had a relationship with God. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. It just says that God said, get out of here. Basically, uh, you know, Tristan, leave your house. Where are you going? Just go. Could you imagine? Tristan tells his parents, hey, God told me to go. Like, where are you going? I don't know. I figured it out. Give me some gas and money. <laughs> Imagine that. That's what God told Abram. Now, that, he was married. Imagine how his wife took it. We're leaving. Where are we going? I don't know. How are we going to get there? I don't, well, we going to walk. But he believed God. We are in the faith because of some crazy man that chose to believe God even though it didn't make sense. God told him, I'm going to give you a land. He said, well, I don't even know. I can't even see you. But he chose to believe God. Now we're sons of faith by Abraham. But you know what? Because he had faith in God. At the end of the day, it's, it's all it's about. You can dress the part. That's good. We should. And don't go out. He said we can do whatever we want. No, I'm not. We, we, you know why we believe apostolic doctrine? By faith. Mm. You know how you get the Holy Ghost? How many don't have the Holy Ghost right now? Nobody, everyone has the Holy Ghost? Oh, snaps. And we go, okay, well, there you go, we got one. I say we're going to have to start praying for the pews maybe. But, but how did you get the Holy Ghost? Just like you're just going to start blabbling, just do it. You're like, that makes sense. That's not how you got the Holy Ghost, right? It was belief in something you couldn't see nor understand. 
but it was faith. I told the student body at Student Landmark, I said, you don't believe in God and you got the Holy Ghost or you haven't faith, you haven't doubted God, raise your hand and start speaking in other tongues because that's about as real as this faith is going to get. Because you know what? I didn't learn how to speak in tongues. I didn't learn how to be spiritual. But one day when somebody said, just lift your hands, worship God, and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon you, it was faith that drove me to the miraculous. I had a real nasty nose ache. I remember my nose was all messed up from work. I don't know what in the world happened. I couldn't cry. I couldn't pray without a bunch of blood coming out of my nose. And I went to a service. And I remember I was crying. The Holy Ghost came on me. And all of my and all of a sudden I started bleeding again because all that bacteria in my nose. And I'm like, God, I gotta do this again. And a man of God said, hey, Alex, get up. And I, he's a homeboy, you know. And he got up. He, I was like, all right. And he said, raise your hands. He said, in Jesus' name, be healed. Boom, I felt, that's the first time I ever got knocked out by the Holy Ghost. I was like. <laughs> the next day, I was instantly healed by the power of God. I'm telling you, how do miracles happen? It's by faith. We walk by faith. We're powerful people. That's who you are. You may be insignificant, but I'm telling you that the power that's inside of you. It's faith. It's faith. As a matter of fact, the Lord's really been dealing with me about the rapture. And I'm about done. If I could have somebody come up here and shut me up. But I was, I was I've been praying. I've been praying. And I've been praying. I've had, I've been, uh, you know, I, maybe the Lord had, speaks to people through dreams here. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. But I've been having dreams about the rapture. I've been having dreams about the judgment of God. And I said, oh, God, this world is coming, is falling apart. But we have something the world doesn't have. They call us crazy, but we have hope. We have something the world doesn't have. Let them have their cars. Let them have their riches. We have eternity in our hands. We can stand. Young people, it is, I, I wish I could say this with everything in my soul that I, I feel like saying. There is no greater time. I'm telling you, church is not going to save you. Straight up. I don't care what you do in the church. You should serve. I, at my home church, I do whatever I can. Anything that I could, I do it. Because I love God. But serving won't save you. You can be used in miracles, all that stuff. That's fine. And we, I believe in it. I've been preaching about it. But here's the simplicity of the message that I'm preaching. God is trying to rekindle a spark of faith. Do you know, Sister Grogan, do you know what would happen if these young people got sparked in faith? What in the world would Tulare be looking at? Man, those crazy Pentecostals are on the move. But they'll pray and ride through to the Holy Ghost. But it's faith. We don't need better preachers. 
We don't need better musicians. We need faithful people. Not only faithful people, we know people that when someone could come up to you and say, why do you believe what you believe? Is it even true? That we can look at them with a straight face say, I know exactly what I believe. And at the end of our life, we can say, it never always meant sense. But I always believed God. You raise your hands with me. Let's raise our hands. With that same faith that we've been worshiping, reach out to God right now. Reach out to God in that same faith. Reach out to God in that same faith. Come on, close your eyes. If you want to link up with somebody, link up with somebody. If you want to cry out and say, God, I still believe. No matter what the secular world says, no matter, no matter what new scientific advancement will say, I have faith in God. No matter how much the secular educational system tries to downplay you, I still believe in you, God. Come on, hallelujah. You want to come to this altar? I invite you to this altar. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. You want to link up with somebody. Hallelujah. If you want the Holy Ghost, come. If you want the Holy Ghost, come. Hallelujah. Can we just invite the presence of the Lord right now? Oh, I want all you have. Anything less Come on, somebody, somebody reaffirm. Somebody reaffirm your feet in the faith. And I'm glad that God can turn things around. Amen. Met Brother Alex before service in the office, and he said, you know. Uh, everybody can sing, anybody can sing. And I was like, that's right, I can. And my wife says, not everybody can sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But God can turn it around. Just kidding, love you, baby, amen. She's like, you're always throwing me under the bus, amen. Love my wife dearly. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26, good to see everybody in the house of God today. Amen. Amen. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And I do also want to just thank everybody again. I said it Wednesday. I may even say it again tonight, but thank you again for honoring uh, me and my family last weekend. Uh, it really was uh, a wonderful surprise, and it shocked us. It, uh, it made me cry, and uh, that's a big feat in itself. And uh, my wife, many times when she sees me cry, she says, you do have a heart. So uh, I do have a heart, amen. Sometimes it's hidden, amen. Just kidding, not throwing her on the bus again, man. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm going to be in the doghouse before the day's over, amen. I better be careful. Genesis chapter 26, 
verse number 12. It's okay to have fun in church. It's okay to smile a while. Man, it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. So give your muscles a break and a smile a while. Amen. That's great medicine. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Say, the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great. Wax on, wax off. He waxed great. And went forward and grew until he became very great. Thank God that we're great. But I want to become very great. And the way we become very great, and he went forward. God bless you. you may be seated in Jesus' name. If we look closely at our scripture, we will notice that Isaac became great because of God's blessings. But it doesn't stop there. It stops with the Lord blessing Isaac. The Bible says, and the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. Isaac was great, but he wasn't satisfied with just being great. He wasn't satisfied with just his initial blessing. He wasn't satisfied with just a hundredfold. Isaac wanted more. He wanted more than just being great. He wanted more than just a blessing. Notice Isaac went forward and grew until he became very great. Isaac began to grow when he went forward. Isaac went from blessing to greatness and then he went forward. He went beyond greatness to become very great. And so the message this morning today is very simple. And that is we must move forward. Somebody shout, we must move forward. Now if we as a church desire to become great, then we just have to stay where we're at. If we as a church are content with just a Sunday morning blessing and a sweet move of God's presence, then we just need to stay where we are. But if there's anybody in the house, if there's anybody in the building that desires more than just a blessing, more than just being great, more than just a goosebump dimension and you want to become very great, very blessed, then I submit to you that we have got to move forward. Can I tell somebody today, we can't have church as usual. We can't. We're living in the last days. Those days are gone. I can't just get by with three pretty songs and a nice pretty message. I can't just survive on a patty cake for Jesus and play church anymore. I need, you need, a divine visitation from the Almighty God. We need that anointing where the Bible says that anointing that will break every yoke and it starts by moving forward. We've got to move forward. We must move forward. The apostle Paul understood this principle when he said it and penned it in the words in Philippians chapter 3, 13. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Can I tell you, it's very easy to forget the bad stuff. 
It's very easy, Brother Gilbert, to forget about the mistakes. Very easy to forget about the shortcomings. But I do not believe that Paul was referring to shortcomings. He wasn't referring to failures and mistakes, even though I believe that we have got to forget about the past. Forget about the past blunders. But what Paul was stating, I've got to also forget about those victories. A lot of you have been blessed as time has gone by. And God has done a lot of great things for you. And God has healed you. God has saved you. God has buried you in the watery grave of baptism. And you put on his name. He has given you the beautiful gift of the infilling gift of the Holy Ghost. God has done a lot of great things for us. But what we've got to do and what we've got to understand is we've got to forget about those things which are behind and we must reach forth unto those things which are before. That's why Paul said, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that the only way to progress in the walk with God was to move forward. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we gotta move forward. Exodus 14, 15, and the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they do what? They go forward. Now notice, God has already taken the children of Israel out of bondage. He's already taken them out of Egypt and out of the crew uh, taskmasters he's already delivered them and now as they're leaving Egypt they are coming face to face with the Red Sea and the enemy is now behind them and they can't go to the left they can't go to the right and they can't back up there's nowhere else for them to go but forward and Moses began to cry and he said God, I need help. And God says, what are you crying for, Moses? And he's like, duh. It's like us. We go against things and, and, and problems come around us and we're crying out to God. And God asks us, what do you want? And we're like, duh. I've got bills that are due. And there's no money in the bank. My car is on E. And I have no gas. I need gas. And God says, I need you to move forward. That's what he told Moses. Why are you crying? I need you to go forward. And Moses is like, um, God, I know you're God. But there are no bridges for us to travel on. There is no way. That is the ocean. It will consume us. And we can't possibly swim. But God said, I need you to go forward in faith. Activate your faith. 
That's what happens as they went like the lepers, as they begin to walk, the waters begin to part. Can I tell you living for God is a walk by faith and not by sight. There are things that you're up against. There are things that you face. There are battles you are involved in and you see no possible way out. And you're saying, God, I need your help. And God is saying, put your shoulders back, raise your head up high and just walk and move forward. Because the moment you move forward is the same thing as the children of Israel. As they begin to move forward, the waters as they begin to move forward, uh, all of a sudden, uh, all the problems and all the obstacles and all the doubt and all the worry and the, all the anxiety and fear begin to vanish away because God stepped in. Can I tell you, if they would have stayed where they were, they would have died. If they would have just threw in the towel and said, I can't do it no more. You know what's going to happen? Is the Egyptians are going to lock them up again and haul them all the way back to Egypt and make them slaves again. That's what the world wants to do you. The world cares nothing about you. Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not for but to steal Kill and destroy. The devil does not like you. That's not a nice thing to say, Pastor. You know, I do everything I can. I try to, I try to please everybody. I saw a sign the other day. And it says, you can't please everybody. Matter of fact, you try, but you fail. There is no way that you can please Anybody, only body you can please is God. And you've got to make up your mind. Are you going to be a people pleaser or are you going to be a God pleaser? A people pleaser will say, hey, I'm going to pat you on the back and I'm going to do my best to help you, but I really can't help you. But a God pleaser says, you know, God, I can't do this. You said in your word, when I'm weak, you're strong. You also said in your word, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. And God, this ain't my fight. This ain't my battle. I did not choose to be created. You are the creator. You have formed me and therefore I will not worry and I will not be held captive any longer. I'm going to turn this battle around. I'm going to lay my problems down to you because I know that you can take care of it. And God is saying all you've got to do is activate faith. Can I tell you that's not an easy thing to do. It really isn't. When you activate faith, it is extremely difficult because faith is crazy. Faith says, bring on the lion and bring on the bear. I don't need a gun. 
I don't need a sword. I don't need a knife. I've got hands. Hello? When was the last time you went to the zoo and you jumped over the fence and said, come on, bear, bring it on? I, I saw on Facebook the other day where a woman climbed over a fence to take a picture of a tiger. Here's your sign. You know what I'm saying? But David, I had somebody ask me, they said, Pastor, how much faith do you know one has? How can you measure faith? It's a pretty great question, right? How do you know how much faith you have? I'm going to tell you the only way you know how much faith you have, it's got to be tested. You could say, I have faith in God. You could say, hey man, I won't bow. But the moment it's tested will determine how much faith you have or how much faith you don't have. Experienced fishermen are in a boat and all of a sudden a storm, they have faced a lot of storms. They have faced a lot of just, just horrific winds of the sea. But this time, they were, the Bible said, they were afraid for their lives. And all of a sudden, fear kicks in, not faith. But fear kicks in. And they go down to the bottom of the boat and they look at the master and they say, we're not scared. Bring it on. We got Jesus here. I don't think that's what the Bible said. They are in panic mode. They are in fear mode. They're throwing everything they can off the boat and it, nothing's helping. And all of a sudden, Brother Rudy, they get offended. They get mad because they go to the bottom of the boat and they see their fearless leader sleeping. They didn't just throw their sleeping bag down and throw their pillow down and go sleep with them. They woke him up. And they said, Master, carest not that we perish. They wake up their master as in Jesus thinking that Jesus had no idea what they were facing. I mean, if you've got the master sleeping during a storm, that should give you a 411. You have nothing to worry about. If the master's sleeping through it, you ought to sleep through it. But the problem is, we don't think that God is hearing us. We don't think that God knows what we're up against. And so we try to manipulate our situations and we're like, God, I don't see any way out. I don't know how the bills are going to get paid. And we whip open MasterCard. And we go into debt. Trying to get us out of debt. And it just piles on and piles on. And then when we have no more debt and we're maxed out, we're saying, Jesus, I've done everything I could. Don't you care? I'm going to die. And Jesus wakes up and he goes to the bow of the ship and he said peace be still you think about it Brother McIntosh 
a God that has the power to speak to the wind and the wind listens. To speak to the waters and the waters calm in an instant. And yet the disciples had no idea because they had spiritual blinders on and they could only see with a natural eye. That's why faith is difficult sometimes because faith cannot see what flesh sees. Flesh sees obstacles. Faith sees the impossibles turn to possible. That's why God says without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's a what? A rewarder to them that diligently seek him. God is saying, I know what you're up against. I know what you're facing. I know the enemy's behind you. But I just need you to move forward. Because if you can move forward, I can show you the miraculous. Because I am the way. I am the door. I am your answer. And what God is saying, you've got to activate faith. The unexpected happened when the children of Israel began to move forward. In Abundant Life Center, there's only one way to move in the kingdom, and that is forward. Somebody shout forward. We've got to move forward. When we move forward, God opens the door. In Joshua 3, Israel came to another obstacle. The children of Israel found themselves at the brink of the water of the Jordan River. And what did God tell? God told them again, go forward. And there are things that we'll never accomplish in the natural realm. But there are things that we will accomplish in the spiritual realm. And God demands obedience from us. And obedience is this. We've got to move forward. Do you realize that victory may come in a day? But then again, victory may not come in a day. It may come with a phone call. It may not come with a phone call. It may come with one letter. It may come in one month. It may take years for your promise to come to fulfillment. Do you realize that? You've prayed for things and God has spoken words over you, prophetic words. And just because it hasn't happened yet does not mean that God has forgot about you or that your prophetic word is null and void. Every word of God is yea and amen. If God spoke a word to you, if God had given you some kind of hope and dream, you've got to mark it down that it will come to pass. You've got to understand, just like Job did, when God says, I'm going to bless Job, but all of a sudden Job lost it all, but the Bible said that Job lifted up his voice and said he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
How in the world could Job utter those words? He lost everything. He lost his health. He lost his possessions. He lost his family because he realized that his worth and his value and his trust does not come in the temporal, but it comes in the eternal. And that's why he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I'm telling you, the only way that you'll ever know that God is a Jehovah Jireh, you've got to have a need. The only way that you know that God is a healer, you've got to have something he can heal. He's not letting you go through that junk and go through that trial to take you out, but he's letting you go and through that stuff and that wilderness to build you and to grow you into something great. But what we've got to understand is we can't waver. We can't quit. We can't throw in the towel. We've got to do our best to move forward as we've got family depending on us. Can I tell you if your marriage is in trouble, it's not a time for you to call Dr. Phil. It's time for you to call Dr. Jesus. If your kids are in trouble, and they're rebellious. It's not a time for you to give up hope, but it's a time for you to say, hey, as for me and my house, (laughs) we will serve the Lord. And we're going to church whether you like it or you don't. If you're staying under my roof and I'm paying for your electricity and you're using my water and you're eating my food, we are going to church. Your finances are in trouble. That's a moment for you to become faithful to God. I've said it before because I believe in the power of sowing and reaping. I believe in the law of the harvest and that is you get what you sow. And the very thing that you need is all contingent on the very thing you give. Some of you need mercy. But the only way mercy is going to come your way is you've got to learn to give out mercy. Some of you need love and acceptance and the only way you're going to get back love and acceptance, you've got to give it out. The only way that you can truly get joy, unspeakable joy, you've got to give joy out. For what you give is what you get back. And some of you in financial dilemma, it's not a time for you to lock up and say, mm, I can't bring my tithe today. I can't, I, 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 can't, I can't give an offering today is the moment you have just shut up the windows of heaven. But when you're in financial disarray, you've got to step out in faith. And you say, well, why, why is pastor always talking about money? Why, why is he always talking about giving? It's because it's the way out. And the way out of your problem is to give your way out because you get what you give. That moment that you begin to say, preacher, I'm giving you that cake. I'm giving you the cake that I really need for my family, but I'm gonna give it to you. The moment you give it out is the moment you get it back. And God says you have got to learn the power of moving forward. Can I read 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3? 
And there were four lepers men at the entering of the gate and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? I don't know if you've ever got to that part and point in your life where you just felt like, man, what else can go wrong? What else do I have to face? I, I, I know I joke with my wife a lot, but, but man, when I'm sick, I'm a baby. She knows it. She's gone through whatever that is and her sickness and, and, and I try to dote over her, but the moment I'm, I'm like, oh God. I was like, baby, you don't know what I'm facing. I can't handle it anymore. Take me to the yard. Sometimes you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I know the best way for me when I'm sick, I got sleep. Just, I, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to love on you. I just need sleep. In my first year of marriage, she's like, you're boring when you're sick. <laughs> Man, I'm going to be in the doghouse. I got to be careful. But just let me sleep, right? But there are times you just, you've been in that bed so long, you're like, I'm tired of this bed. I need to get out. I'm not feeling good. But sometimes you have to tell your flesh you're not going to dictate the circumstance and the reactions I'm going to have to life. I'm going to make up my mind and be a worshiper. Brother Landry, just a few years ago, it was a service that was blowing and going. And I remember you took off and jumped off this platform and he twisted out your knee or your ankle or whatever he had to go to the ER and, and they said what, what happened he said I was running the aisles they're like what aisles but he got hurt worshiping God and he could have hung up his worshiping shoes and say, I ain't going to do that no more. I've done tried and I've done failed. I've had surgery. I've had pain. I'm not going to do that again. But thank God you told your flesh, I'm still going to be a worshiper. And that crazy guy takes off running and jumping and leaping and all that because he made up his mind I was created more than just to have a pity party and cry, woe is me. I believe that's what happened to these four lepers. That's why they looked to one another and they said, why sit we here until we die? Let us go into that city. I know we're not welcome. I, I know we're not wanted. But you know what? I'm hungry. And when you get hungry enough, you care less what people think about you. You care less about being dignified and, and having your napkin just right and just, you know, eating just right. When you're hungry, man, you're just throwing it everywhere. It's kind of like burger, man, at Carl's Jr. They get them all juicy and all that. You start eating and they get dripping over and you're like, I don't care. Tastes so good. I'm hungry. That's what the Bible says. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Brother Alex, I'm just about done. But these four lepers, Brother Rudy, they said, why sit we here until we die? If we stay here, we're going to die. 
If we go in there, they may kill us. But I'd rather die going forward than die sitting down. And I know it doesn't make sense because all hell has come against me and has attacked me on every side. But Brother Joseph, I've made up my mind. I'm serving him in the good and in the bad. When it doesn't make sense and when it does make sense, I will bless the Lord at all times. And I cannot be content with just sitting around. I've got to move forward. When they began to move forward, chains started breaking. And as a church, we've got to move forward. As individuals, we must move forward. As a family, we must move forward. We've got to move from religion to relationship. We've got to move from obligation to dedication. And we've got to move from membership to ministry. Because we have a world to reach. We have a job to do. And we must move forward. Can I tell you that the hardest people to win are our family and our friends because they see us in the good, the bad, and the ugly. And they don't really pay much attention on the good, but in the moments of bad and ugly, they're looking at us to see how we react, to see if we have the faith that we told everybody that we have. Because it's in adversity that the people look to us. And we come into this building and hell has attacked us on every side. We're not feeling good in body, yet we come into this sanctuary with our hands raised, with our voices raised. We are making a bold declaration to the enemy. You do not control me, but God does. I'm giving God my best. What your home needs, what your family needs, what your relationship needs is God. And if you're ever going to let the prophetic words that have been spoken over you to come to pass, and you've got to make up your mind, I'm putting God first. You need God to come in and make a way in your circumstance. The only way is you've got to have God in the equation. God has got to be in the factor. He's got to be that controlling voice. I remember driving a car, that Tesla car that my sister-in-law owns. And as I'm driving on the 405, Brother Rodriguez, going 70 miles an hour on the 405 LA, four lanes, 
traffic all around. They say, put it in autopilot. And I'm like, auto what? <laughs> so I put on autopilot. And they said, take your hands off the steering wheel. I said, do what? Because I'm going 70. But I take my hands off the steering wheel. And they said, take your foot off the brake and the gas. And Brother Archie, I really was a nervous cat. That car was worth more than my house. And as I'm hovering over that steering wheel, that car was driving by itself. It had all these cameras around for protection. I believe 21 cameras around that car. Cars would get in front, it would kind of slow up. Cars would get away and it would kind of speed up. When we let God take control of the reins and we say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust in you. I understand the pain, the affliction, the loneliness, the weariness, the stress, the anxiety, the fear. God, I'm giving it to you. And I'm going to move forward into your direction in all things. Give thanks, for this is the will of God. I'm letting you, God, have full reign in my life. Can I tell you, that's what God wants. He wants every one of you today to make up your mind. I'm moving forward with God. I'm letting God step in. I'm letting God into the equation. Because when you let God in the equation, Brother Frank, He takes over. And I remember just a few weeks ago, you came into the foyer and we just had a discussion. And hell was trying to take you out. Hell was trying to take your joy. And I said, hey, let's pray. When you've done all that you could do, pray. And it wasn't long until he called me and said, Pastor, God turned it around. Can I tell you, don't let hell intimidate you. Don't let your flesh dictate the rules to you. But activate faith and make up your mind and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to put God first. We're going to let go of the reins and we're going to let God direct us. I oh, would you stand to your feet this morning. Would you raise your hands? Would you raise your voice and say, God, I give you full access. I give you control of my family, of my finances, of my home, of my kids. I'm giving it to you, God. I don't understand it all, but God, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you, God. Come on, there's a God that knows exactly what you're up against, exactly what you're facing. And he's saying, hey, let me in. Let me guide your ship. Let me walk to the bow of that ship and say, peace be still. But you got to move forward. Would you lift your voice in this house? 
you lift your voice in this house? Shatarakayato. Offer the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel the presence of God in this house today. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what you're going through. But I challenge you, step out of your pew. Make your way down to this front. Let God know. Let God know. You're choosing Him. Let this world know they have no control, no say of your life. But ask God, God, come in today. Fight for me, God. Oh, would you lift your voice? I'm giving it to you, God. I'm giving it to you, God. 